Hey folks, today we're talking with Prem Balwani. Prem's the founder and CEO of iGrabit. They're an artificial intelligence-based app to create your shopping list. Yep, it's something that frankly, when it was presented to us, we thought it might be a little bit boring, but it's a really fun interview. Prem's charming, got a good sense of humor, and like any good geek, gets excited in ways that, while we know nothing about software, are infectious. But more importantly, they're a company looking to disrupt the disruption. And by that, we mean they're looking to create resources for small grocers, for small regional chains and independents to allow them to compete against Amazon, Walmart, Target, Costco. We believe that retail is not dying. What the consumer is looking for is a better experience than what they have today. And then that's where we come in. Cornucopia one-on-one starts now. This is Cornucopia. Prem, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Prem Balwani. I'm the CEO and then founder of, of iGrabit. iGrabit is a, a, a grocery or an AI-based platform uh, that, that that bridges the online and offline transactions uh, that are happening today, essentially connecting local shoppers to stores uh, as well as the brands together in the same place. Tell us what that actually means to someone that might sign up for iGrabit. Absolutely. So, so we imagine a world where our consumers uh, will be able to have a seamless grocery shopping experience, whether they are doing from home, uh, whether they're even at their workplace. You know, they're doing from mobile, from from their from the desktops. Uh, from Alexa or, or some of these voice um, uh, devices, or even when they're in store. We, we, we want to create a, a platform that's going to give them a very, very seamless experience. Our consumers still spend hours going to the exact same aisle, and then 80% of the time, they're refilling the exact same thing that they have in the pantry. So with our platform, we, what we really intend to do, allow them to easily add things to, to your shopping list, easily send them to the grocery stores, so that they can keep them ready and then either they can have them delivered or they can just keep them ready for our consumers to go pick up at the store. Back in the 1960s, my mother would order milk from the milkman and then the milkman kind of knew what the order was. Additionally, you know, there used to be green grocers that would drive their trucks around and knew that, you know, Mrs. Epstein needed that. The uh, Espositos needed something else. So how does artificial intelligence work one, and is it limited mostly to families where there's certain consumption patterns? That, that's a great question. And then what a great reference. I mean, that, that's exactly right, right? So in those old times, you know, you, you had these people or people who were walking around uh, who kind of knew your preferences. And then this, that's exactly what we're leveraging using AI uh, for our, our platform to really understand. It's, it's, it's all, the, the entire focus is around personalization. That's what we, we really believe in at, at the heart of everything that we are offering with iGrabit. So our platform will learn and will understand your preferences. Uh, it will understand, you know, why you're, you're, you, you like a certain product, where, where, you know, d- depending on whether they're price sensitive to certain items or they like a certain product because they really enjoy the, the quality of the, of the product. Um, and then, you know, from that point onwards, we, you know, depending on how often they are consuming the product, we, you know, we will, we will be providing notifications, we'll be providing alerts uh, to make the life easier. 
if I uh, am somebody who cherry picks sale prices and you know every time a certain item I like is on sale, I'm ordering quantities of them, that's a pretty easy bit of information for the iGrabbit AI to understand. That is exactly right. Knowing what you know what the consumer is like and then really knowing uh, what different coupons are, are available in the marketplace. Not just that. Let, let me go a little bit further what we, we tend to do. The whole coupon clipping end up being a very, very tedious process. A lot of people are really off-put by it. That's going to get a lot easier with the platform as well. In the case of that coupon, the uh, penny and a half, whatever the retailer gets for the redemption, there'd be a revenue share for you as well as the retailer with a coupon transaction like that. Exactly. That is exactly right. Gotcha. So let's talk in terms of the actual interface. I just threw my 16-year-old son out of the house. So all of a sudden, my consumption of Kraft macaroni and cheese, Doritos, (laughs) and um, Oreos has gone down dramatically. I can manually change my preferences. Yeah, and it will learn over time. For any parents that are out there listening, remember, we (laughs) like to laugh. Most people in the world don't have enough food to eat, so don't take it too serious. So he, he's out the door by 7 a.m. And my order's scheduled to come in that afternoon. So you, you can, as soon as he's out the door, user interface that we have on the our site, you can actually go in there and you can flag that you don't want this item in the order next time. Or you can even say that you still have that in your pantry. We, we allow our consumers to manage their pantry however they want to. And then and, and, and really allow and giving them all these different tools and options uh, to interface with the AI, like you said. And then basically say, either I don't want this item anymore or, or you know, not to alert me about it. We'll spend another minute just on the consumer side. I understand you can share a list. So if uh, at the office Friday afternoon party, I'm going to come home with four burritos, I can amend my list. And my spouse, whoever gets the groceries, will know we don't need dinner for that night. Yes, anybody in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the household that you have shared the list with can make changes and it's, it's all in real time. And they can even send that list directly to the, to the partner store. And then me, as, as, a, as a customer, when I'm going to store, all I have to do is just go pick it up. I may not even have to look at the list um, beforehand and it will be all be ready uh, by the store uh, for me to pick up when it's, when, it's, when it's time. So in your example of, of going to the store for a click and collect model are you currently live with any retailers yes we are we actually are live with uh, retailers here in, in south florida and then we've, in the last two years going live with a lot of different stores and in chicago as well and and what are you seeing in demographics is it skewing away from the baby boomers is it more millennials is, is there any kind of current data you have it's interesting. Our initial data set was, was really targeted around millennials. But it is very interesting that what we're noticing is there's a good chunk of our baby boomers are starting to use our platform as well. But yes, uh, primarily it's just millennials that, that we see that are using our system today. With your current retailers, there's a revenue share on that side as well. For every transaction for $100, you will generate a certain percent. Is that fair to say or does it depend on... The product mix, some categories have higher margins, lower margins. It really depends on the product mix, yes. Um, and then our, our, our partnerships with individual stores are, is, is, is different, um, but it depends on the, on the category or the, the product mix. Um, and then we're basically structuring it in a way that, that's really focused around our retailers. So, so our big real focus is enabling our retail partners to compete with the public, to compete with these big brands 
uh, they're coming out with these all these different technologies. I want to shift to that because you're dealing with retailers that don't necessarily, I imagine, have the latest technology. Tell me a little bit about the challenges with interfacing with these retailers that don't have the big pocketbooks to upgrade POS and other inventory management systems. Are you guys being the teacher as well as a partner? Yes, yes, we absolutely are. And then, and then that's what we, we actually love. We're actually enjoying the process very much so. So we, we, we're walking into these stores. We, we're helping them understand how these, some of these big players are in, in, in the marketplace so the end today and then helping them accomplish those, those same things. So as you can imagine, you, we, we really cannot have sort of a, a one-size-that-fits-all kind of solution. Um, so we have, for each retailer, depending on where they are in the process or depending on how mature they are with their technology, we are offering them various different options to do so. So we have a sort of a back-end interface where certain retailers are actually going in and, and, and managing the inventory themselves. And then we have other retailers that we just interface with their, with their software provider, and then we have a real-time sync uh, behind the scenes uh, set up for, for, for them. It, it, it's very exciting. If you're enjoying this and haven't listened to our previous shows, check out our archives on our website, cornucopia.show, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't miss our pilot episode, The History of the Supermarket, the similarities between the issues that occurred when AMP opened in the latter half of the 19th century to what's going on with Amazon Whole Foods today is uncanny. History of the supermarket. And now back to Cornucopia one-on-one. <laughs> there must be a wide number of very um, Luddite or technophobic questions that you've had because I know the grocery business you have any anecdotes that you could share without naming names? So, so it, it, it's funny you mentioned that. that. That is absolutely true in terms of it, it still being an industry where, you know, it hasn't matured enough and, and at scale to some of the other technology advances that have happened in other sectors. But what, I, what we are surprised by is the industry is really opening up. Um, you know, we, we're seeing great conversions. Um, we do get a lot of technophobic questions. Uh, absolutely. But I think the way that we are helping our, our customers and, and helping them understand and really overcome um, those concerns and overcome those fears and helping them understand how this is going to help them. Yeah. And for listeners that don't quite understand the references to the grocery business being old fashioned and technophobic, margins are so small that very often the more appropriate devotion of resources is dedicated to actual promotions and or uh, right. improvements at store level rather than back-end level. There's, there's a big narrative in the media around retail dying and then that the, the online companies like Amazon and then some of the other ones are taking away businesses from retail. We believe that retail is not dying. What the consumer is looking for is a better experience than what they have today. And then that's where we come in. We are, we're providing, we're helping that consumer, uh, consumer experience to get better, augmented consumer experience, whether they are at home or whether they are in store. And we want to help those stores better understand what the consumer is looking for so that they can stock them up their stores exactly based on the customer preferences, if that makes sense. So we, yes, we absolutely have to take both sides of the aisle. But we are helping both of them in, in, in their own ways and then uh, allowing the market to kind of play by itself. Your AI can help retailers better manage waste? Yep. 
as we as we get more deeply integrated with the, with the, with the retail stores, we can absolutely help them reduce the weight. Because that at the end of the day, it's, it's all about supply chain. We are looking to better improve the supply chain, help the retailers cut down their cost behind all the wasted food products, and then allow them to repurpose uh, those funds and that capital towards something better. So these on these all these online orders that are come in, they can repurpose that those funds towards starting to pack those orders for, the, for those customers. And then what about um, the integration with appliances? That, now, that, that's a great point. Now, we are absolutely on track to, to make that happen. You know, we, we, are, we are working with a, a few different providers. I'm not going to name any names, but it, we, we imagine a, a future where these voice devices, uh, so Alexa, um, uh, Bixby, for example, uh, we, we definitely see that uh, deeper integration happening. Uh, there are certain voice, uh, there's voice control devices that are about to come out in the marketplace, and then we will be will be integrated with them. So you can actually be at home, you can be in your kitchen, and then you could be speaking into those products, uh, and then and really ordering uh, your groceries right from there. As impressed I am with your technology, where is uh, where are the sharks in the water currently? Also on this track. And do you guys have any particular kind of two, three, and five-year position in the market? So, so in five years, we, we imagine ourselves to be doing a, a lot more further and then, then pushing the envelope a lot more further. Our product pipeline and our vision is so grand. But food is where really this starts. Um, and, and then once we, once we get to that scale, we already have big plans in, in helping uh, our, our customers uh, live a healthy lifestyle, uh, giving them different experiences, allowing them different preferences uh, where they can live a much better and much healthier lifestyle uh, depending on where they want to go. Well, I can see where that informational bridge between the product and the consumer would be hugely expanded. I'm a little bit cynical on whether consumers are actually motivated by the things they say they are, i.e., you know, the fact that we have such pandemic levels of obesity and diabetes, despite the fact that an increasing number of people say they watch what they eat. But I could see where that integration would be hugely dynamic and advantageous, particularly to high-level information shoppers. It's all about providing them the, the best information uh, at, at their fingertips, right? And then allowing them to make a decision. So uh, do you watch many, have you watched many old sci-fi movies? Uh, I, I've watched a lot. Let's, 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 I mean, I, I'm a geek at heart. So, but here's my last question for you: Open the refrigerator door, Hal. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, I'm sure it must trigger a lot of things uh, in folks. The idea that we're no longer writing down our shopping list. Right. So, what's the uh, technophobic fears uh, that you've heard from? What are the kind of objections that you've heard from people? It's funny, you know. I think the, the biggest, the biggest technophobic uh, thing that we have heard from our customers, and especially the people at home, is, is you know, some, sometimes people don't want other neighbors or anybody else, somebody else, to find out what they're having or what they have in the pantry, um, and or what they're what they're buying more often. Uh, per se. So, you know, we, we actually ended up having to put privacy in in place where if people can decide who they decide to share their, that information. I used to have a big weight problem when I was a kid and I vividly remember buying those big seven ounce Hershey chocolate bars 
and hiding the wrappers in my bedroom until I could get on the school bus and throw them out. I mean, it makes sense. Sure, you know, people have privacy concerns, so we, we ended up putting those in place. Tell us the website address and if there's any cost for signing up. Sure, uh, you can you can go to our website. It is www.igrab.it. That's I-G-R-A-B dot I-T. I grab it. Or you could download our app. Uh, our, our app is available on, on the App Store under iGravit. And then currently just South Florida, and then you're rolling out in Chicago area stores, correct? That is correct. Chicago and in New York. Those are our two key targeted areas right now. Okay. And any partner stores you want to promote before we sign off? Uh, uh, so these are all local stores that we are. So Happy Foods is, is one of the partner stores that we will be coming on board with very, very soon. Uh, Triton is a store over here in South Florida. That was Trident, Trident, like the uh, guy with the fork? No, sorry, Triton, Triton, T-R-I-T-O-N. That's also in Florida. Excellent. Well, I am uh, look forward to following what you do. And as an ex-New Yorker, uh-huh. um, let me tell you that when Whole Foods opened up in Chelsea, a large number of industry analysts thought they would never make it there because the overhead was too high. In the Tonier neighborhoods... People didn't cook much. The average item in a refrigerator was a couple bottles of Heineken, Uh a bottle of Stoli in the freezer, and then probably some half-eaten box of cars, table water crackers, and some stale brie. You know, and Whole Foods kind of changed that along with the culture in general, but uh, I'm really fascinated to uh, follow what you do. And then in particular, I think the story in New York is going to be interesting because in such a dense place, exactly. the ability for that utility could be really transformative to a lot of indies, but also fascinating in the way it can help change the food culture in a city that tends to be trend conscious. I grab it. We'll see where uh, divorce rates go down and families that use I grab it. <laughs> All right, Prem. Perfect. No, thank you. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Meet George Jetson.